Hello, and welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the ups and downs of the creative process and how to keep it moving. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. I am a writer, singer, improv comedy newbie, science fiction geek, and creativity coach who loves helping right-brained folks get unstuck. I am so excited to be coming to you with interviews and coaching calls to show you the depth and breadth both of creative pursuits and creative people, to give you some insight into their experiences, and to inspire you. If you've ever delved into the world of marketing, especially social media and content marketing, you know it can be overwhelming, to say the least. There's so much to learn, and if you're trying to start your own business, it can quickly start to feel like marketing is your job, no matter what your business may actually be. Zoha Abbas started her career as an advertising copywriter, and she's here today to tell us how she got there, what it was like working for an ad agency, including the ups and downs of working with clients, and how she decided to take what she learned and help mere mortals figure out the best ways to market their businesses, as opposed to the ways everyone else says you have to do it. We talk about everything from how creativity can be beaten out of us, the power of standing up for ourselves, how working in advertising both helps you develop a thick skin and also wears you down, and ways to get the word out about your next project without driving yourself crazy. Here's my conversation with Zoha Abbas. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Me too. So let's start with, you know, your, your creative journey. Did you start out? What, what did you do as a kid? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like my creative story has been so, I think I'll use the word circuitous. It's just like, it's taken this weird sort of windy path, but as a kid, I did all the things. And I wanted to be all the things. So my mom is a fine artist Mm -hmm. and she had me constantly doing like different kinds of art projects. Um, I remember like I put together a puppet show with my cousins and we had to do the whole thing. So we had to sew our own puppets. We had to make our backdrop. We had to write the script. And then we had to literally like put on a show for the family. And I was like, it was, it was like, hilarious and ridiculous because we were probably, I was maybe like six or seven. Mm -hmm. So like putting together this entire production was like a little bit nonsensical. And was it a train wreck? Yeah, it really was. Of course. But it at least, all these different projects at least allowed me to explore a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And that has kind of been my creative journey ever since I was a kid. So even going through like high school, you know, I did drama for a little bit. I was in choir. Um, I took art classes. I was still really good in English and math. And like, I, I wanted to kind of explore all the things. So like being, I feel like the, the creativity kind of has just been like an innate part of my existence. Mm -hmm. And I have allowed it to a certain extent to just kind of take me where the inspiration will kind of thing. Um, But yeah, so circuitous really is the best word I could use. (laughs) (laughs) So how did your, I mean, your mom must have influenced you. Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time, big time. So like I said, you know, she constantly had me doing different projects. And I think one of the really big things was that when I said, hey, I'm interested in this thing, I want to learn about it. There was never this feeling of, well, aren't you doing this other thing already? Like you need to focus on that. Mm -hmm. She was always so ready to be like, okay, that's great. Like, let's get you a little starter kit. You know, like you want to learn how to sculpt? Here is some, you know, Play-Doh. Or Mm -hmm. you want to learn how to draw, like, let me give you like an actual lesson in drawing or, you know, like paper mache or any, like anything. She would really, really let me explore. So I never had that feeling until later when I got into like, when I got into school and, you know, you have a very, very set way of like how you're supposed to show Mm up. I didn't have a problem with being the explorer and, hey, let me figure this thing out. And like, oh, wow, I'm really good at this. 
I didn't have a problem with that stuff until I got to school and some of my teachers kind of would either push back on me or full on be like, no, that's not how we're doing it. You're going to have to like fix yourself. So Eek. yeah, it was, it's, it was a very interesting thing. And I've always had this vibe of like, <laughs> like, especially in elementary school, all the way through high school, I kind of got over it in college, but if I didn't vibe with my teacher, I was mm-hmm. like, forget it. I'm not going to work for you. And I would just like not do my work in that class because I was constantly, when I'd show up and do something that I felt like was my best work, I'd be getting shut down. So I was like, yeah. okay, if we're not going to do this, we're not going to do this. Wow. I mean, that's like such a totally understandable reaction. And, you know, the, the former teacher in me is fighting with the coach in me, you yeah. know, like, like, yes, you have to learn how to get along in the world, but good yeah. grief, how, you know, you should be able to do your own thing. How, yeah. how did you, how did you navigate that? Um, it was really hard. I mean, there were more than a few times where I would ask to be excused to go to the bathroom to like cry for a little bit, because mm-hmm. I think, especially as a kid, it, it, And even as an adult, it just makes you feel like you're broken as a person. Mm -hmm. Like as a human, there's something wrong with you that you can't get get this right the way that they want you to do it. Right. Um, But a lot of times I would go and make a case for myself. Like I would march up to the teacher after class and be like, hey, I just wrote a really kick-ass paper. Like why did I get this grade? What's wrong with it? I want you to tell me line by line, what's wrong with this? So it was almost like challenging them to have to think one, tell me to my face, Mm -hmm. what's wrong with this thing Two, Let me try and at least make my case and say like, oh, okay, well, I can see where you're coming from, but let me explain to you how I got to this conclusion or why I even took it in this direction. Right. So, and I I think that's hard to do as a kid. Um, Yeah. Sometimes I I look back and I'm like, (sighs) girl, where did you get the balls to just like march up there and be like, I'm not taking this grade. You regrade this paper. It's good. Yeah. I don't know where you got it, but it's impressive as all hell. I am impressed with past me because sometimes right now I'm almost like, (laughs) I don't have it in me, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, again, the former teacher is sitting here going, go you, you know, yeah. You know, I, so many kids would say to me, because I, I taught ESL. So I had kids Mm -hmm. that would come to me because, you know, Mr. So-and-so doesn't like this paper or thinks that I'm stupid or, you know, Miss Jones, it doesn't understand me or, you know, whatever. And I'd be like, well, did you go talk to them? No. Yeah. Well, why not? Well, because they'll think I'm stupid. No, actually they really, really won't. Yeah. You know, even if it was just, I don't understand this assignment, go ask them. Yeah. I can't read their minds any more than you can go. Oh yeah. And, and they, you know, I, I tutored for a while, you know, after that, and, and it was the same thing. And you just sit there and you'd be like, okay, I don't understand the assignment either. Did you talk to your teacher? Yeah. No. Why not? Because they'll think I'm stupid. No, they won't. When's it due yeah. tomorrow? Okay. Well now you are stupid because you didn't talk to them. And now we have to make something up because yeah. you have to turn it in tomorrow. And we don't know if it's going to be right or not. Yeah. We have no idea like what mark we're even yeah. shooting for right now. Yeah. And, but I would always tell them, you know, no, your teacher will be impressed by the fact that you came in and said, Hey, I don't get this. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to, for a kid to come in and say, I, I think my paper deserves a much better grade than this. And I want you to explain to me why you did it this way. Yeah. Is like, I mean, it would intimidate a lot of teachers probably mm-hmm. would have thrown me, but yeah. at the same time be like, okay, let's see if my reasoning stands up because maybe I was wrong. Yeah. 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 And I think there were like a lot of times that, you know, I can remember my third grade teacher and my honors English teacher in high school are two of the ones that stand out the most that were just like hell bent on making sure that I broke somehow, which makes me sad just thinking about like, not just Mm -hmm. me, but like thinking about kids learning in general. And, you know, this, this thing of like, you must do it a certain way. And if you yeah. do it differently, it has no value. Right. Yeah. And I think just, that just flat out wrong. Yeah. And I think that my my mom and really my both of my parents, like letting me explore and kind of like 
like really encouraging me to like explain myself and and tell them like why I'm interested in something or or why I'm proud of something I did like it prepared me to be able to go and be like I'm sorry I don't understand this grade I'm gonna need you to explain to me why you just failed me Mm -hmm. because I put my heart and soul into this thing and if something is amiss that I did I can go back and fix that based on your feedback, right? But if it doesn't make sense to me, then yeah, that's that. And I often think it's a shame that we don't grade on effort yeah, and, and that heart and soul thing because yeah. the kid who can just phone in an A paper, do they oh, really yeah. deserve an A? Yeah. The kid who works their butt off to get a C? Yeah. You know, I, I mean that, I think I've probably talked on this podcast before about how standard grading doesn't make any sense to me anymore after it's doing very a, strange. Yeah. I mean, you know, I did a progressive MFA that had no grades and you like had a self-evaluation and your, mm-hmm. your advisor evaluated you. And that was what mattered, yeah. which meant that you had this meaningful level of assessment. It was like, I set yes. out to do X this semester. Did I manage to accomplish X? Yes. If I didn't get the whole way there, did I get there enough? Did I find an interesting detour that was worth pursuing? Did I, you oh, know, yes. All of this stuff that just does not go into the usual A, B, C, D, F. Yeah, yeah. You can't quantify it with a number. No, and I think like it also like I there's this other thing of like the way that standardized education is like thing number one simply the word standardized in front Mm -hmm. of the word education is weird. Thing number two, it was like set up for like the industrial revolution so that kids would be okay with sitting in dark cramped spaces for long periods of time and not necessarily built so that they can learn the different ways that they're going to be able to contribute to society. Yeah, it was built to train them to do repetitive things. Exactly. Met an obvious standard, you know, does your widget look like everybody else's widget? Exactly. And I I think so much, like we were talking about this a little while ago, um, when I said, you know, we that's, there's a reason that we need all sorts in Mm -hmm. this world, right? We need people who are able to look at stuff a little bit differently and solve new problems and take things in new directions. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to evolve. We're not going to be able to keep up with the kind of change that the world is undergoing right now. And it's a lot of change, you know? Um, So I think just like education in general, I, I think education is so important. Like people need to learn, but I think there also needs to be a lot more fluidity and flexibility in the way that we're teaching kids and allowing them to learn. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, I, I have the utmost respect for people who can teach in a public school system that's all based on standardized tests now because it's like so different than it was when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. You know, when they could go off on a tangent because it's a teachable moment and, oh, isn't this a great question? Let's go explore this question, you know, Mm -hmm. which they really can't do now. And they have too many students. And, you know, I mean, I taught in private school and, you know, I enjoyed that for the most part. There were things about it I didn't Mm -hmm. particularly enjoy, but there's no way that I would have been happy trying to turn out widgets, yeah, you know, cookie cutter kids in, in a public school, which, you know, I know that there are public school teachers who manage not to fall into that trap. And I know Mm -hmm. that public school is changing yeah, to a certain extent, you know, more collaborative learning and stuff like that. But it's still, you know, when the state says thou shalt do this and your kids all have to get this kind of a score and that kind of stuff, you don't have as much leeway to do that no, no. as as you might like to do. But that still doesn't justify trying yeah. to break a kid to get them to fit your mold. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, say, I can... To say the absolute least. And my parents are going to laugh so hard when they listen to this because <laughs> to this day, I still complain specifically about that third grade teacher and that honors English teacher to this day. Like every time I see them, we have a conversation about how that was such a not great time and how it really sucked for me and how it wasn't fair and how they should have, you know, let me do this or let me do that or whatever. But third grade and sophomore year honors English teacher, if you ever listen to this, please know that I'm still mad at you. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) I don't, I don't blame you. And, you know, I think my, 
you know, my, my teachers, I was pretty lucky with, with my teachers, especially yeah. in high school. There was only one English teacher who was sort of like that. Mm-hmm. We had a very, a very creative spirited class and we didn't mm-hmm. really want to follow the rules. And yeah. he was of the, you know, you have to learn the rules before you can break them school, but he was going to make sure yeah. that we never got to the second part. Mm. And, and it's interesting because like other, other years, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kids who had come before us and the kids after us loved him, but That's I so think they were more in his mold and he just yeah. didn't quite know what to do with us. Yeah. And, and I mean, we knew we weren't special because he had taken the classes before us to see a Broadway musical every year. Yeah. We didn't get to see no Broadway oh, musical. Oh no. <laughs> Rejection. It was like, wow, we don't get to go see Les Mis or Big River or Phantom or yeah. whatever. We're just oh, stuck here in our desks. Yeah. You know? And I mean, oh. he did there there's certainly I understood parts of speech better after the first two weeks of his class than I yeah. ever did. Mm-hmm. But you know, other teachers that I had had more of this vibe that was like look, you need to learn how to, how to function in this restricted thing that is other people's idea of how an English paper works, right? When you go to college, you probably are going to have professors who are going to want you to write this way. Yeah. So it was, it was the sense that it was like, do your own thing on the side or Mm -hmm. every once in a while, maybe I'll throw out a curveball assignment that you can play with more, but but you need to get this stuff down or I'm not doing my job, but I'm not trying to break you. I'm just trying to get you to grasp that this is how you're going to have to work in the future Yeah. as opposed to, no, you will do it my way. You will do it my, yeah. I think that's a great approach too, because I'm thinking about like, you know, just being out in the working world. And if you work in even a little bit of a creative field, it's like that part of it, like, the preparation of understanding, hey, this is, these are the lines within which you can kind of play. That kind of also helps you understand like, hey, what's the hill I'm willing to die on Yeah, with each project? Because like every, every, I mean, even when you think of a, a creative problem, like everything has its constraints at some mm-hmm. point. And you need to be able to understand like, how can I work within this? And like, what is the point at which I need to take a stand? And what is the point at which I need to back off and understand that I'm expending energy that doesn't need to be wasted on this problem? Yes. Which is hard. Never. It is hard. And I've never really thought about it that way. And yet it's so, it's so true. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking especially about like my time in advertising. Like I was a copywriter, um, at a digital agency for a number of years, but when you're like a quote unquote professional creative, like Mm -hmm. you're always given some sort of constraint, right? Like that's the problem you're trying to solve. And I had to learn very quickly, like, what is the point at which you stand up in the meeting and you say, absolutely not. We're not doing this. This isn't right for this project. Mm -hmm. And when is the time that you say, all right, it's a bad suggestion, but we'll go with that. You know? Yeah. Or sometimes I think of it as, Hey, my name's not on it. You do what you want with it. This is is what I think we ought to do, but (laughs) you want to do something different. As long as my name's not on it. Knock yourself out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How was it working in an, in an advertising? It was crazy. And I feel like I got into it thinking like, oh, this is cool. Like I can make money and be creative and it's going to be awesome. But I found out very quickly that for me, at least specifically, I'm not saying that this goes for everybody Mm -hmm. in advertising, but for me, the industry feels a little bit broken. Um, Mm -hmm. especially in the sense of the way that creative resources get used, it feels very broken. And this is maybe a common theme in my life, but it's almost like going back to those moments with those teachers trying to tell you, this is the only way that this can work Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to do it my way. Um, and people not listening to 
entire teams of brilliant humans who have a lot of really fantastic ideas. Um, but then basically telling them like, no, sorry, that's not how we're doing it. Oh, and by the way, you're working this weekend. So there's a lot of your idea kind of getting smashed. Mm -hmm. And then you also getting burnt out from having to work on somebody else's idea that maybe isn't hitting the mark as well as your team thinks it could be, right? Right. Because your job as an ad creative is to help your client, ultimately to help them sell product, but it's to help them solve the problem in between, you know, you getting, you creating the ad and them actually selling the product. So sometimes clients can be so close to the problem, they can be so close to the product that they don't necessarily see that huge, like that huge consumer journey in the middle, that huge gap that you need to cross from like, oh, I've seen this ad to I'm going to buy this product. So our job is to make that, you know, interesting enough that we can take people on this journey all the way to the end. But a lot of times people will forget that there is a whole journey and it's not just, oh, I saw an ad, I'm going to buy a product. So they'll hammer something into you and say, no, we have to do it this way. This is the only way because this is all that I can see in my limited scope. And they mm -hmm. force you to do that. And you end up just sort of feeling like, well, I'm putting a lot of effort into this, but it's not doing what it needs to do. And I'm not necessarily feeling super fulfilled in having to make crappy creative. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, I remember when I was a kid and when I was in college, yeah, you know, the whole, the whole like parental I want to say lecture, and I feel like that's too harsh, but it might not be. <laughs> um, because I heard it multiple times, you know, and yeah. I especially heard it in terms of my my brother because he was so musical. And yeah. I was like, let him let him go major in music. And they were like, yeah. can't do that. You'll starve, you know. And, and I mean, he's an architect. So he yeah. still is, you know, gets to be incredibly creative. Yeah. And lucky dog, he has his own firm. So he doesn't have anybody else telling him. That's awesome. That, you know, and he's whatever. still able to use that like mathematical brain that you'd, you'd be using for music as well. Right. And he still does plenty of music. And, and like I, I talked to my friend Mike Smith not long ago mm. and you know he was talking about you know he's a software engineer and he does a ton of music yeah I mean I kind of was surprised when I realized he was doing software because I associated him so much with music yeah. and how he made that decision was basically you know I can still do music on the side and I'll have a better life because I'll have enough money to go buy the new yeah software that I want for my music and go to a concert and whatever absolutely and you know and and there's there's merit to that idea I mean my brother oh, is yeah. still plenty musical mm -hmm. he, little brat can like play any instrument he wants <laughs> if you're listening I do love you Wayno. um <laughs> <laughs> but but still you know it's like you you hear that and mm -hmm. then you hear stories about working in an ad agency and it sounds so soul killing for Ooh, a yeah. person. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering, you know, like how, how did that affect you? Do you learn to just develop a thick skin and say, this yeah. is how this thing is and it's not about me or mm -hmm. does it really wear on you or is it some of each? It's, it really is a little bit of both because a lot of times you do have to be able to let go of your work and not be so precious with it. And that was like one of the first things I learned was just that you, you can't necessarily be as attached to your work as you would be if you were creating for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So you do have to, to some degree, be able to disassociate yourself from what you've created and get that thick skin when somebody comes back and says, this is bad. We don't like it. Right. Um, but hearing that like time after time after time and for various reasons, like it does, like it absolutely grates on a person. It wears you down and it doesn't matter if like, if you're making it for somebody else or if you're making it for yourself, there is some little piece of you that you have sort of 
broken off and sprinkled into that mm -hmm. creation, right? So it's hard sometimes not to take it personally. And at the same time, you have to be able to be open to that feedback and that interchange of, you know, okay, why do you feel that this isn't working? How can I adjust it and make it better? Um, but it really takes a lot of trust, I think, like within teams and even between an ad agency and a client for there to be that ideal relationship where you're able to say, hey, this isn't quite hitting the mark, but here's how I think we can make it better. Instead of making it seem like, hey, this is really crappy and by the way, you're not talented <laughs> and you should get out of this yeah. business because this is garbage, right? There's a difference. I feel like the whole idea of trust, just, just the way you said that sounds really, really big to me. Is there more you yeah. can say about how that works or Absolutely. should yeah. work? Yes, right. There, we can talk about the ideal and how mm -hmm. it kind of plays out in real life. But I think that um, creativity to a certain degree takes a lot of vulnerability. And I think being able to be vulnerable with people day in and day out is difficult. Mm -hmm. And there has to be some, some level of like a, a a knowledge that you're in a safe space to be able to open up and say like, well, I came up with this idea and I took it in this direction because yada, yada, right? Um, and a lot of times like ad creatives, especially they're told to like do something totally off the wall, like surprise me. I want it to be, you know, super creative and magical and whatever. So like to be able to come back and be like, hey, I went in this crazy direction that you said I was, okay to take, right? It's It takes a lot of trust to be able to be like, well, here's a piece of myself. I'm just going to lay it out bare and just kind of stand naked in front of you for this random ass client meeting. But like, definitely let me know like what you think of me as a human being and how you see my work because I put my heart and soul into it, but feel free to tear it to pieces, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, hard and i think that people who don't necessarily create on a consistent basis can sometimes forget that mm -hmm. and there is so much interplay in that industry between a creative team and you have like a project management team you have an account team you have you know traffic people and then if you're in a room with clients like sometimes these people aren't in the same headspace mm -hmm. um and you know as creatives you're constantly asked like hey you need to get into the headspace of a client or you need to understand what the account team is going through but you know it also needs to work the other way for that trust to be there and for you know an account person to successfully be able to come to a creative team and say hey i i get where you're going and i i understand like where you want to take it but i don't think this is going to be the right direction for this specific project can you rework it in this way and to have the creative then be like oh yeah i get it understood i can let me rework that we'll we'll figure it out um for that for that kind of an exchange to be not painful and not something that just kind of depletes you every time it happens, there has got to be some level of trust and empathy there. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's funny because when you're saying, you know, surprise me, you know, whatever, yeah. I, all I can think of is like, you know, and I don't, I want to say that there's this, this well-known, um, what's the word? Meme is the only thing that's coming to mind, but it's not a meme, yeah. it's a phenomenon yeah. um, of, you know, graphic designers who are mm -hmm. asked to do something and it's something like that. Oh, do something different. Do this, do yeah. that, whatever, yeah. you know, do, do something wild and unusual. And, and it's kind of like the, you know, uh, I'll know what it, I'll, I'll know it when I see it. Oh God. Yeah. Which, which is like, <laughs> great. Am I just supposed to throw paint at the wall? And is that yes. the kind of wild you mean? Is it yes. some other thing? And then of course the, the designer comes back having done their best with nothing mm -hmm. or even with like an actual description of, I want this and I want this and yeah. I want this. And the, and the client is like, 
no, 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 no. That's not what I want. That's not what I meant at all. Yeah. And, and I actually, I've seen this book on Amazon that's literally called something like how to get what you need from a designer, like how to talk to a designer so you get what you need. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's like, it's like that, oh, I'll know it when I see it. Well, that's great. How am I supposed to know how to make it? Yeah. Because I can't read your mind. Yeah. You know, and, and there's, so there's, there's that whole thing going on in there. But I also found myself wondering while you were talking just now, like, Mm -hmm. first of all, how many people who are in the client position Mm -hmm. have never created anything? Or have so long yeah. since forgotten how they created stuff when they were kids. Yeah. But they just are completely incapable of understanding the process and really do expect you to just oh, yeah. do the thing I want you to do. And why exactly. can't you do this thing? Yeah. But then I also find myself wondering how many of them are lapsed or failed creatives themselves. And then mm. if that's the case, do they, and I'm sure that this is a, a mixed answer too, do do yeah. they actually help you more or do they just get frustrated because they really are the ones who want to be doing the thing and they're not yeah. and they end up taking it out on the people who are trying to give them what they want? I don't know if you've ever seen, you know. Yeah, that's that, a but... very interesting question. I think that's such a good question. Um, I think it's definitely a mix of both, right? Like there are so many people on this earth, it's absolutely a mix of both, but What I have found is that the people who have never had a chance to do any sort of creative work, it can go one of two ways. Either they will be like, oh my gosh, you guys create magic out of thin air. Like, I totally trust you, do your thing. Or it'll be like, why can't you just do the thing that I told you to do? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like the pendulum, it's it's a spectrum, right? And you'll either be all the way on one side or you'll be all the way on the other side. And then when it comes to people who have done the work before, that's a lot more interesting because I found, I mean, some of the best account people that I have ever worked with were people who had done some kind of, they had produced something, right? They mm-hmm. had been in some kind of creative environment or a job or something before like they they understand what it takes to take an idea from nothing to done so they were a lot easier to work with because they were like yeah I get it I know what you guys are going Mm -hmm. through right now I understand what part of the process you're in um but it's sort of more the the people who haven't really had the opportunity to use their creativity, those people, sometimes you can fall into that trap of why can't you just do the thing I asked you to do? Yeah. It makes me, I feel like I'm so biased saying this, but it makes me wonder, you know, how much of that is just, I'm jealous and, <laughs> and how much of it is just complete incomprehension because they're so divorced from that part of themselves, which uh, makes yeah. me really sad. It is really sad because I think we all have creativity in us. Mm-hmm. Like, even if we're not doing quote unquote creative work, like there is a creative way to go about your work, right? Right. And I just think like, as human beings, like we're, we're wired to kind of be creative and to be problem solvers and to be adaptable. I think that's Mm -hmm. a big part of creativity is that adaptability. So it, it really does make me sad too, whenever it's just like, well, why can't we just, you know, stay within the lines and, you know, like I made you this box, stay inside the box and that's it. The only thing that matters is box the end. Yeah. It's sad. It's like sad for the creative people who are doing the work. And it's sad for the person who's asking because Mm -hmm. think of the possibilities, you guys, like there are so many different ways that we can solve this problem. And yes, there have to be constraints, right? Like just from a business perspective, there must be constraints. You have a budget, you have a specific brand that you need to fit into. There's a voice, there's a style, there are colors, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the constraints of the specific 
type of advertising you're doing? Like, is it a TV spot? Is it a billboard? Is it a piece of print or whatever? Like you have all these constraints, but even with all of those lines, the ability to be able to play within them is infinite. And if we could just get more people on board with that, I think there could be a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah. And I feel like that's true outside of advertising too, you know, oh, I yeah. mean, it's so easy and, and so trite to say everybody would be so much happier if they just did their stuff. But I really do think <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of misery that comes from not doing the things you really love to do because somebody told you not to, because your 10th grade honors English teacher broke it out of you because, yeah. you know, your yeah. parents didn't understand and didn't appreciate it and said, you can't be that. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is, it, you know, cause we are all that. I mean, you know, you, we you are a kid who doesn't create. Yeah. You know, it's not, I mean, it's not real. Yeah. I, I mean, unless there's some kind of external extenuating circumstance. Yeah. Every, every kid, every kid creates, even if it's yeah. just telling themselves stories and, you know, plan house, there's yeah. stuff out of nothing. Oh yeah. And, and then, I think you know, that, like, we oh, I'm so sorry. Decide we can't do that. You know, it's like we get yeah. out of high school and it's like, oh, we aren't allowed to do that anymore. Yeah, that's not a thing anymore. But I, I really think that that like the sh shutting off that creativity valve, I feel like it always comes from some kind of like some kind of hurt, some mm -hmm. kind of pain that you have felt that has made you go, oh, man going in that direction is not safe for me to not do yeah. this the quote unquote normal way is not a safe thing for me to do. It's going to cause me some kind of problem. It's going to cause me more pain. Um, so people avoid it like the plague. And I get that because it doesn't feel good. You know, yeah. when, when things go terribly, horribly wrong with something that you have like literally pulled out of your soul to mm -hmm. externalize it in the world. But um, I also think that it makes you just miss out on so much of the beauty of life. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's always some kind of, of pain or hurt or yeah. fear sitting mm -hmm. underneath it, whether it came from you or whether it came from something outside you. And, and let's be honest, if it comes from you, it didn't come from nowhere. It probably exactly. came from some experience or something else. Yeah. And you just told yourself, I mean, it could be that nobody said to you, you know, you're a terrible musician. You should never, ever do that again. Yeah. But the response that you got, if it wasn't what you expected or if it's internalized it in some Yeah. Even if way. it's just like, if it was lackluster and you, you know, nobody said you're terrible, but you decided yeah. that that's why they reacted that way. That's, that's mm -hmm. all, that's all you need to get totally thrown off. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that a thing? Like human beings are like meaning making machines. Like yes. we want to create meaning out of all of the things that we do. So you know, even if somebody isn't necessarily meaning for you to feel a certain way, you can internalize something and make it mean something completely different than what they intended. And yep. that meaning for you can carry a lot of hurt. And that can be enough to create that kind of block or fear or, yeah. you know, whatever that's going to keep you away from the creative path. Yeah. And if you don't know what what's behind the other person's reaction. That's the worst yeah. because if you've got a vacuum to fill, you're going to fill it with all of the worst, most insecure stuff. Anything because, and everything. Yeah. 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 You're never going to fill it with, oh, she's just busy and she really, really loved my thing. <laughs> yeah. You're never going to do that. It's, you're going to be, oh my God, I'm terrible. I'm such a failure. I never should have shown it to anybody. What was I thinking? I'm never yeah. doing this again. And, yeah. and a lot of the time you won't ever do it again. And then, oh, yeah. yeah. It's hard. And I feel like that's a lot of where that, you know, that personal development and that self-work kind of mm -hmm. comes in because, you know, we, we do it all the time for, you know, when you're building your own business, you're constantly hearing like, oh, you've got to work on your mindset. Mm -hmm. You've got to, you know, work on your personal development and all that kind of stuff. But it really, really, those insecurities will find a way to balloon. Mm-hmm into any sort of empty space that you allow for them to believe yeah. into unless you're able to kind of stop and be like, well, let me examine this for a second. 
you know, but that yeah. doesn't mean that when they balloon that 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 feeling in that moment isn't real for you, right? Right. And you you can't like take that to heart and like hold on to that for years. And the other person mm -hmm. in that situation can be like, well, I didn't, I don't even remember that happening, you know, right. but you've taken this thing and there is this empty space that was left and all of your insecurities and everything are just ballooning into that space, completely flooding it up and mm -hmm. filling it up for you to save and hold on to for later. You know? Yeah. Especially if you don't know that you're prone to do that. Yes. Oh yeah. Cause then it just, it just is like, I'm, you know, I'm thinking like spreads like wildfire, which is a delightfully mixed metaphor, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it does. I mean, it, it just it expands to fill the available space. So the yeah. more of that vacuum that there is, the more you're going to tell yourself absolutely horrible stuff, unless yeah. you seriously, unless you are either had a phenomenally secure childhood yeah. or you've done. And I don't know any of, of those humans. You know what I mean? Like that, I just... I don't know who that is and I don't think they exist. Even yeah, if you I mean, like even if you've had a like a great like my childhood was fantastic, but I have had all kinds of stuff that I've carried hurts from mm -hmm. that have made me just a damn mess as a grown-up, you know? Yeah. Um, and if I don't take the time to actually examine them and be aware that I have those things and to acknowledge and be okay with the fact that I have those things, then I'm screwed. You know, mm -hmm. it's just the, the, the pain will eventually eat you up unless you sit down and actually face the stuff that that's sort yeah. of holding you back. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, even the Dalai Lama probably has moments oh, like yeah. that too, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you think of people like that and think, oh, they have it all together and they aren't bothered by anything. And yeah. I think they're bothered a lot less by things than most yes. of us. Oh, yeah. But that's also because they have a whole understanding of the universe that most of us don't have the time to have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah, for anybody who's sitting here going, oh, I'm sure that there are people who, you know, aren't insecure and have it all together and whatever. No, I don't think Yeah. So. No, it's not a thing. Yeah. Not yeah. Thing. So yeah. when did you realize that it was time to say goodbye to advertising? Oh boy. I think I realized that a lot like long before I actually was in a position to be able to leave advertising. I, um, I got my first advertising job and within a year got laid off from it because it's also a very volatile industry in that way. Like a layoff can happen in a second. Wow. Um, but I got laid off from my first job and I remember just sitting there thinking like, this has got to be more than this. Like there has got to be a different way. Mm -hmm. So I started sort of exploring, you know, the idea of like, what would my own business even look like? Like, what would that be? And, um, the first business that I thought I was going to have was going to be jewelry design. Um, and that absolutely is not the case and doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with what I actually do now. Um, but it at least, again, I got into that place where I got to kind of explore things, right? And mm -hmm. as I got other freelance gigs and then finally got another full-time job, it sort of allowed me the leeway to be able to be like, okay, well, let me explore this thing for a second on the side. Does this work? Does it feel right? Um, and if not, how can I adjust it and make those, you know, sort of micro pivots to find the thing that does fit. Um, and, you know, in building the ownership method, I have been building this for about three and a half, four years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I only left my advertising job last summer Oh, so, wow. yeah, so it's definitely been a thing that has been growing and brewing on the side until I kind of felt like I was at a good point that I could say, all right, I'm done. I'm going to bounce. I'm going to try this other thing. We're going to see what happens. I have no idea what's going to happen, but we're going to try it and see what happens. So what is the ownership method? Does that mean... Yes. So the ownership method is a system that I have built for creative entrepreneurs so that I can help them ditch the overwhelm, 
take ownership of their success and create a plan that lets them thrive. So there is this through line that I've kind of found where I am on a consistent basis, pretty pissed off about how creative people are treated mm-hmm. <laughs> in this society and how much they're told like, Hey buddy, you got to fit inside this box or else if not, you are not valuable to anybody. Um, and I think that's baloney. So I wanted to create something where I could help creative small business owners create their own way of working so that they can pull on their strengths and their unique abilities and use that to power up their business instead of the standard, you know, quote unquote rules of entrepreneurship. Because I think there are a lot of things, especially when you're building a business, you have a lot of information coming at you, Mm -hmm. a lot of different people saying, no, this is the thing that you have to do. Scratch that. This is the thing you have to do. Oh, somebody discovered a new method of doing this. Now this is the thing that you have to do. And I want people to know that you don't have to do anything. You just need to figure out what actually works for you. And do that stuff so that you can grow in a way that's like congruent with who you are. Because why else would you start your own business? Good grief. What a refreshing concept. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like you have to have the mailing list. You have to have all the social media accounts. Yeah. You have to do this. You have to do that. And it's like, wait a minute. Was, wasn't I like trying to do this because I was tired of being told what to do all the time. How does, you know? Oh my gosh. And I was talking to somebody recently who was like, I didn't get into business to become an online marketer. Yes. Because especially when you're a solopreneur, you're doing everything yourself. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, to a certain degree, you like, you need to put yourself out there because people don't know you exist. They can't give you money and you're going to, I don't know, my thought is that if people don't give me money, I'm just going to like die alone. Like my husband's going to divorce me. I'm going to like die alone in the gutter. I'll potentially be living in a refrigerator box if I can find a good enough one. Um, <laughs> if anybody has any to spare for later, just in case, let me know. Um, but like you need people to see you in order to yes. hire you and use your services and products and give you their money so that you can keep helping them. So you do need to do that. But like all of the ways that you can do that, there are so many ways, right? And especially now we have the internet, like, thank you, internet, for Mm -hmm. giving us so many ways of being able to do things. You don't have to just do the things that other people tell you to do if that's not the way that you show up best, right? Like if you, if you don't feel like you're a good writer, you don't need to write blog posts, right? Maybe you show up really well on video. Do that instead. Um, if you feel like you can only like figure out how to use Instagram and LinkedIn makes no sense to you, then fine. Don't worry about LinkedIn right now. Just focus on Instagram because that's what's working for you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about like really getting strategic about thing one what are your strengths? Thing two, who are you trying to serve and how? And thing three, like what's actually important to you so that you can choose the right avenue to go down? You know, as I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about my own experience doing things like that. And it's like, I am a writer, so you yeah. would think that blogging would be like my natural thing. Yeah. Blogging really only works for me if I have an idea. If I'm if I'm on my soapbox about something, yeah. I will sit down and I will write the blog post to end all oh, blog yeah. posts. By oh, which yeah. I also mean that it will be three times longer than it should be. Um, <laughs> or or let me put that a different way. It will be three times longer than all of the people who tell you that you have to do things tell yep. you it should be. Yes. And, oh, yes. and there's a part of me that says to that, you know, look. I have never in my life been accused of being short-winded in any context. So (laughs) why on earth you would think that I would manage it now? (laughs) You know, there is a reason why I wrote a novel for my MFA thesis and not a collection of short stories like I thought I was going to do. And it's because 
yeah, I can only sustain short for so long and then I'm going to get carried away and I'm going to do stuff. So like on my current website, there's a page called musings and that's Mm -hmm. like all of my old blog posts all in one place. You can find everything. And if I decide to add a new thing, I will add it there. If I don't have something else to write, I won't. And that's great. But then it's like, oh, but you need to have a newsletter and you need to have all of this. And it's like, yeah, things like things that I have to have to notice Mm -hmm. I'm saying have to do regularly, like the blog post, like Instagram, like all of these things that demand consistency are the things that I, and I cannot imagine that I am the only one, which is why I'm bringing this up can do for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever. And then it's just like, oh, yeah. Do another one of these. And I am out of ideas. I don't yeah. know what to write about. There's yeah. no holiday to jump on. There's no, you know, current yeah. that I can use. There's nothing. It's a yeah. random Tuesday in June and nothing is I happening. am out of steam. Yeah. And I've and I just don't know what to do. And and yeah. part of that I know for me is that it starts to feel like a chore. It's the have to thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm oh, wondering. Yeah what you tell people who are in that position. Cause I'm sure that you yes. see it all the time. Oh yes. My friend. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like smiling so big over here. I know you guys can't see my face, but I was smiling so big over here as Nancy was describing that because I think we all hit that wall no matter what, even if it's stuff that really jives with you and you love it. It's very common to hit that wall just because Building a business is hard, you guys, (laughs) right? It's Mm -hmm. really hard. But I think that you have to kind of look at, first of all, like, why are you doing this thing, right? Like, why is this the method that I chose? And does that make enough sense to me? And is that a strong enough why? And then thing two, that thing about like consistency, I think it is important that you consistently commit to showing up for your people. But showing up doesn't mean that you have to do it a specific way, right? Like, I also, I'm a writer and blogging sucks for me. I don't like it. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. No, (laughs) I I literally wrote professionally for a living and blogging is weird to me for uh, some reason. I, I haven't quite like wrapped my head around why it just blocks me up. But I found that for creating, and this is a very recent change, but I found that for like actually getting my point across to people and like having something of value to teach them, I love doing video. Like I just, just figured that out. So I started a YouTube channel and now I'm going to use that kind of as my weekly, like, Hey, here's a tidbit of information that I'd like to teach you and might be helpful. Um, So it's kind of about like looking at like, why am I doing that? And is that a good enough reason? If the reason is just that somebody told you that you had to do it, that's not going to be enough to get you Mm -hmm. past those moments where you do run out of steam and you say like, all right, random Tuesday in June, like really not sure what to do with you. Not sure what to tell people. Um, Like if you, if you know why you're doing something, you'll be able to kind of like, okay, let me take a breath. Let me take a step back and then remember why I'm doing this and what I'm actually trying to help people with. And I'm sure you're going to be able to find even a new way to spin an old topic because you'll have learned more since the last time you talked about it. So, Hmm. yeah. I think... And I, I'm tempted to say a lot of people, but I really shouldn't because I can really only speak for myself. Yeah. I think I get hung up on the, I already talked about this, so I can't talk about it again because I already did this kind of thing. I do too. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. And I think that's especially hard when you start creating content because this whole beast that is content creation, it's extremely demanding. It's always hungry, right? It's like a, a a constant machine almost, it feels like, oh, I got to put something out on Instagram. Now I got to do something for Facebook. Now Mm -hmm. I got to duplicate that for LinkedIn. Hold on. Let me write a blog post so I can, you know, strain it down and make it a newsletter. Then let me go make a YouTube video about it. Like it's a lot of stuff, right? Um, I think first of all, 
I don't think that people are always paying attention or listening to us the way that we think people are paying attention. That's a good um, point. And the things that we think that they've already heard, they didn't even know that you talked about it. So it's sort of about the thing of like hearing the right message from the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm. A lot of times your people don't even know that you have already covered this topic and they will be really interested when they do actually see like, oh, hey, she talks about this thing too. Like that's really, that's exactly what I needed right now. But they will have no idea the last, you know, seven times that you talked about it because, you know, if you think about your own life, you're going to work, we're distracted on our phones, we have doctor's appointments, we have grocery shopping to do, we have, you know, dinners with friends, we have family stuff. There's so many things demanding our attention. I think that's where that idea of like consistently showing up for people is Mm -hmm. really important because you've got to get in front of them. But they're not necessarily going to be like, um, well, you already talked about this, so I don't really care this time. And, you know, as you're saying this, yeah. so, you know, I'm, I'm doing this course. I, yeah. I, it's an online course. There's call recordings and whatever. Last week, I listened to the same record, call recording two days in a row and yeah. things hit me completely. And That's I didn't it. even do it intentionally. I couldn't remember if I'd listened to the whole thing. And by the time yeah. I figured it out, I was like, oh, I'll just listen to the rest. Yeah. And, and things hit me completely differently the second time. And it was only... 24 hours had gone by. So see, that's amazing. That's yeah. Awesome. So I'm kind of calling myself out on that one now. <laughs> <laughs> like no, my own it, experience. It happens to uh, us and we don't think about that, but like, you know, again, it's that vulnerability thing of like, you're putting yourself out there. So you're, you know, you almost have a lot more scrutiny on yourself mm-hmm. than other people are actually like, nobody's actually Maybe some people are, but like, I don't care about them. They can go live their miserable lives if they're sitting there just like judging everything you do. Like, congrats yeah. on that's how you <laughs> want to spend your time. Absolutely wonderful. But yeah. like, people for the most part are not just sitting there trying to, you know, try to pick apart the things that you're doing the same way that you will sit and pick apart the things that you're doing. Yeah, we're always our own worst critics. Oh, Absolutely. And we assume that the things that annoy us assume everybody else or annoy yes. everybody else too. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cause I probably would be the person who's like, dude, you just talked about this last week. Come on, <laughs> give me something new. And maybe yeah. that's where my, my, my block with that comes from is that that's what I would think about it. Yeah. And so I re- resist doing it. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I follow, I follow a bunch of different, you know, people in the online business space, but there's this one lady that I read like all of her emails Mm -hmm. all the time because I love like what she stands for. And I, I love what she's talking about. And I absolutely see that repetition in topics on, you know, in her newsletters, but it's also like, it's almost like this, like, galvanizing like reminder of like oh yeah like I do care about that that's awesome you know thanks for reminding me that that's a thing that matters today because today I needed that message and maybe last week when you talked about it it didn't hit me the same way yeah that's a really good way to look at it yeah because I definitely need reminders yeah oh yeah yeah all the time Uh (laughs) uh-huh all the time Every day as I get older, I notice a little bit more how I need (laughs) reminders. It's great. It's great. That time will come for all of us. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I've just made it sound like I'm 99 and I'm not. (laughs) Not anywhere near 99. Thank you very much. But some days I feel like it more than others. I know. Oh my gosh, same. Yeah. So, So we're just about out of time. Is there... Is there a piece of advice that somebody once gave you that has been really helpful or that you find a lot of people could use or Mm. something along that line to share? I think this is um, kind of along the lines of what we were just talking about, but showing yourself the kind of kindness that you would show other people and giving yourself the kind of grace that you would give other people were they in your situation 
I think is such a big deal, such a, such a, such a big deal, because the kind of self-talk that we have affects literally every part of our lives. So if I can say one piece of advice that has helped me and that I hope helps other people, be nice to yourself. (laughs) Cut yourself some slack and treat yourself like you would treat your best friend. You know, what would you say to your best friend if they were going through what you were? Mm -hmm. So much easier said than done for a lot of us. Oh, big time. Big time. But baby steps, I think. I was just going to say that. Yeah. One step at a time, my friends. Yes. Well, thank you so much for this. It's been a blast. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. This was awesome. That's our show. Thanks again to Zoha Abbas. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Thanks. You can find show notes, the six creative beliefs that are screwing you up, and more at fycuriosity.com. I'd also love for you to join the conversation on Instagram. You'll find me at fycuriosity. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade. If you like Follow Your Curiosity, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really helps me reach new listeners. See you next time.